We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. This is True Faith Weekly Podcast, uh, special edition. Tonight, me and Michael Crean are talking about Brendan Rodgers and his sacking by Liverpool. I'm Alex Hurst. Uh, this is the True Faith Weekly Podcast. If you don't know us already, we produce a weekly podcast on Newcastle United and all things Premier League. Every Monday, like clockwork, we've got a lot of things going on at the moment. So if you have the time, uh, have a look at the True Faith website, www.true-faith.co.uk. You'll find a blog each week from me and Mike. Uh, my blog covers the winners and losers from the Premier League's action and Mike concentrates on what the managers of the Premier League have been saying in their respective press conferences. We also have the weekly radio show, which can be found every Friday, both podcasted and live on Radio Northumberland. Online radio, exclusively about Newcastle United. Uh, you'll not find much more Newcastle United content anywhere else. We'll crack on today. Uh, joined by Michael Queen, as I've said, uh, Mike, uh, me and you have been following events at Liverpool closely uh, pretty much ever since the season started. And is it fair to say you found Brendan, ben, Brendan, Brendan Rogers sacking at roughly, uh, what, 6.02 Sunday night? Were you were you surprised? Um, well, I think if you look at it, you're initially surprised. It's like, oh, that's not coming back. I know but in the grand scheme of things, um, it, it's, he's been under pressure for a while. I think I read in, a, in one of the blog posts um, uh, the, the week before that he was uh, he was under pressure and going to be make or break over the next few weeks. Um, and I think, to, to be perfectly honest, um, the, the, the Fenway Sports Group at Liverpool gave him a fair old crack of the whip, if you look at it. He had, he had three full seasons there, um, and, and the, even the start of this, um, to make his point and and, and by the end of it, the, the sum of those three seasons, that, that not an awful lot of progress has been made. Where, and, and he certainly had a, an, an awful lot of money to invest during that time. Um, and I think, aside from that, 
uh, second season, which was a seems seems to be a, a bit of an anomaly. Um, you you've got mission six both finished there, um, and, and no real. I think we saw particularly at the beginning of this season no real defined style of play under Rogers. It, it seemed to flip from um, from season to season, and, and, and very much in that that second season when he, he went so much success. Um, seemed very much dictated by the, the players he had at his disposal, the likes of the Suarez's and, and the Sturridge and the Sterlings. It dictated a, a new style of play, that, that really high-tempo pressing game. Um, and uh, and I think that, that struggle to stamp his identity on the team and, and that coming out in, in the league positions and the money that he spent, um, I, I think that it's, it's, it's a rational decision um, for, for the owners. And I, I think actually looking at it, um, and looking where he came from before the well, I think the owners have played it well. They've given him plenty of time, um, and and, and he, he seems to have had all all the help he he, he could have pushed for from the owners in many senses. Um, but it, it just hasn't worked for him. And he, he just hasn't been able to pull it off. Yeah, that's you raised some very good points there, Mike. I suppose we may as well start off by talking about the sacking itself. Uh, we'll come on to Rogers' reign later on, and like you say, how it will be remembered and analysed. Liverpool, eight games into the season. Uh, many thought Brendan Rogers was very lucky to keep his job after the 6 1 mauling at Stoke last season. And that's the season last year which promised so much 11 straight wins in that, including wins over Manchester City, uh, you know, eventual champions. So, so we, you know, the real highs and lows for Brendan Rogers in Liverpool last season. Champions League football. A lot of people thought he'd run his course at Liverpool manager in the summer. The 6-1 defeated Stoke on Steven Gerrard's last game kind of gave um, FSG the perfect opportunity to, to appear reasonable in sacking him. Can you understand why it's come now? Is it, has it really been that bad a start of the season? Considering that allegedly Rodgers has the last say on all transfers for the transfer committee. And, you know, I wouldn't say the season's a write-off. Liverpool aren't going to win the league. They might make top four with the manager. Has the timing surprised you? Or do you think eight games was enough for the board to see Rodgers hasn't changed things around? Um, yeah, well, I think it, what you said there, that, that Stoke defeat and that, that awful run in the last few games, um, few months of the season, um, have played a big part in that. I was surprised as well that they didn't get rid of him in the summer. But I think they wanted to see over the summer how they got in signings early Liverpool um, they, they did their business early they, they seemed to have a decent pre-season um, and it gave them a good good setup for the, for, for, for the new year but I think you could see after last season being a disappointment as a whole you could see this year that they had no clear strategy again um, and, and, and I think I can, I can understand them giving him wanting to give him another chance because I think if you look at where Rodgers came from when he was appointed um it came from it had a, a season in the Premier League done very well with Swansea, um, and before that got them promoted. Oh. And before that, it, it had a bit of a, a tough time at Reading, and then done a good job at Watford as well. So, looking at that, it's a it's a big step up for him when he went to Liverpool in the first place. Um, so the Fenway Sports Group obviously invested a lot of faith in him, and, and it's a, it was a, he's a key part of their strategy. So I can see why they wanted to give him a, another chance, and especially at last season, even though. It finished so 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 poorly and, and started so poorly. There was a, there was a spell in the middle where it looked like Rodgers had really sorted them out again. He went to three at the back and they went on a fantastic run uh, midway through the season. And even at the end of last season, there would still be memories fresh in the mind of, of 
just 12 months before when they'd been so close to the title. So I can see why for that. I think that the fact that it was only 12 months on from from, from going so close, I can certainly see why um, they gave him another couple of months at the beginning of this season and the, and the summer transfer window. Um, but I think it, was, it became abundantly clear again this year that there wasn't a clear blueprint in place for, for, for how this team was going to play. And it didn't look like the players that have been brought in have been brought in to, 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 a, to a particular plan that, that Liverpool were going to um, challenge at the top of the league again um, anytime soon. So I can certainly see why they were, they were keen to give him another go. And I think, to be fair to them, that, that they've been pretty good owners for him and, and they gave him a, a really fair crack of the whip, certainly where, when you consider um, where he came from, it was quite a leap of faith from them in the first place. Um, so I, I think that, that's got a lot to do with the reason that, that they gave him another eight games at the beginning of this year. Yeah, no, I can see that logic definitely. Personally, I don't. I think eight games for a manager, especially with a, a team with the turnover of players that Liverpool have, and you know, losing their best player, or you know, one of the you know, one of their best three players in Sterling. Um, I just think eight games is neither here nor there. I know there was um, Europa League in there, and so you know uh, the the. The Carling Cup, so no, it wasn't just eight games, but I, I really don't see why the sackings come now. I know we have the international break, so that's the obvious one. I always, and I wrote this in the blog on True Faith uh, over the weekend, and whenever I see a manager sacked, I always think to myself, would he have been sacked if they'd won their last game? And often, uh, in, you know, especially when clubs are battling down at the bottom and they can't afford to to have one more game, and I think... If Brendan Rodgers had beaten Everton, if they'd sneaked a goal in the last minute, would he have kept his Would he have kept his job for a short time longer? Would he have been given another few games to keep it? And I, I actually think he would. I don't think he'd been sacked mm. after the. And that that to me suggests that maybe it was a, a not a, not the best decision. I mean, I could I, I could be totally wrong. But you think if he if he, if they'd, they'd snatched a, an undeserved win at Everton, uh, would he have kept his job? I I, I I like to think so. And that that makes me think it's a, it's a strange sacking. Like I said earlier on, I think I would have had no complaints if, or certainly I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I could have understood if you went over the summer. I look at the rest of the season now, and let's we're going to talk about potential successors later. So, whoever the successor is, you know what what is now the aim for this season? Does a new does a new manager come in and an FSG say right Champions League, or do they say push for Champions League? And if you miss out by a few points, it's okay. Or do they say the season's a write-off after eight games, despite hundreds of millions invested? I know there's been a fair amount recouped. It's a real strange one for me. I mean, maybe there are answers to those questions. So, you know, I might be playing devil's advocate here for absolutely no no reason. But as a Liverpool fan, if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be wondering kind of what what is expected of the new new manager. If he, if he does badly, if he has a really bad uh, season, is it put down to the inadequacies of the squad and... Is it Rodgers failing, or is it put? You know, will he be under pressure at the start of next season if he starts badly? So, the, the old, the old eight games. I, I can't see. I don't see how it does any, does any good for anybody. Brendan Rodgers will, will have a, I'm sure, a fair old payoff from this, having signed a new contract in 2013 or the start of 2014 uh, in that season. Uh, very strange timing for me. Liverpool had been poor this season. It, it was pretty apparent they're not going to threaten the top four. And this is a season when um, Chelsea look way off the pace, miles off the pace. Um, Man United look poor. I know uh, it's it's a bugbear of mine, but they look poor against Arsenal. 
Yeah. City look good, but inconsistent. And an Arsenal are Arsenal. <laughs> Their Champions League uh, form, you know, proves what Arsenal are. Very good on the day. Pretty poor the rest of the time. So this season's a real opportunity. We can, we kind of say it every year. Everyone says the top four is sewn up. This is another another chance this year for for Liverpool to get back in. So perhaps I'm thinking it's a it's a you know as much a reaction to the poor form of others as it is to Liverpool's poor form. Maybe FSG uh, they're in the air. They've realised right. There's a real chance this season. Chelsea are way off the pace, and Chelsea don't look like getting any better. Nothing, nothing seems to be clicking into gear. So there's a at least one spot opening up, and they might have thought this is our chance. If we get a manager and he kicks on and he gets a couple of wins, and we buy him some players in January, we've got a chance of sneaking back into that Champions League here. I don't know if you you think that's uh, relevant or not. It, it could be, and but I, I was thinking also it might might be who's available. Um, Manager-wise, um, if you look if you look back at the summer, obviously at the end of last season, um, Jurgen Klopp had um, you know took his uh, took his sabbatical from from Dortmund um, and decided to have a bit of a break from the game, so he wouldn't have been really available during the summer. And maybe looking at it now, we know how these things work. People put feelers out while managers are still in place. That, that that's the way it, that's the way it works. Um, maybe they got an indication. They could be available and, and wanted to strike now. If you look at the, the amount of teams out of form, top teams around Europe out of form, there could well be a, a few big clubs knocking on the door soon. So yeah. it may it may well have been something to do with that, which I, which I wouldn't be wouldn't be too surprised with either. But I think your point is, um, is is right about there's certainly again to be fair, like last season as well, and the season where where, where Liverpool finished second, um, there are places up for grabs at the top of the Premier League. Um, if teams are there with a you know with, with enough backing, but with a with a with a strong strategy and a strong setup in place, there, there are plenty of teams in, in turmoil in transition. I mean, Rogers' last uh, interview even even referenced Liverpool's rebuilding again <laughs> um, um, re- job, which uh, which I seem to be doing for, for quite a few years. And I, I wanted to touch on that really um, the the rebuilding thing. If, if you look at the the players he's lost over his time there, obviously. The Carragher's and the Gerrards have over over the years that Rogers been there um, have been phased out of moved on to return. The the loss of Suarez, a world class player, Sturridge injured for a lot, Sterling going as well. Do you think there's um, there, there, there's rationale? It's fair enough for for Rogers to say that very difficult managing that that that, that loss of, of such key players. I, I know. Teams like Man United have done it in the past, and, and Fergie was a past master of, of moving at the right time and, and keeping things fresh and consistent. But for a team of, of Liverpool's resources, less resources than than, than the top four, um, do you think do you think that's uh, more of an impact and, and slightly slightly less bearable um, uh, and had a bearing on his uh, his inconsistency over the years? Because I, I can see. Um, I could see certain, certainly Rogers using that argument, and uh, uh, and a fair few of his supporters um, bringing that as a as a as a valid point. And I think for a, a relatively inexperienced manager, he's, he has had quite a lot um, quite a lot to deal with each, each season, really. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that. I mean, I, I think Brendan Rogers is a, is a reasonable manager, and he, he did find Coutinho for and storage for. Very little money, and I agree with you. I mean, how do you replace a player like Luis Suarez? Realistically, money can't buy Luis Suarez's replacement. Um, but this is a man who spent 
26 million quid on Dejan Lovren. <clears throat> now, I know Dejan Lovren doesn't play, well, you know, he played Carragher's position. 26 million pounds is a lot of money. If you look through Rogers' signings, it's, I mean, you've got your Barinis, your Joe Allen was 15 million quid, your Luis Alberto and Iago Aspas were 13 million between them. Not huge numbers. Mignolet, 10 million. He signed Colo Toure on a free. Um, Mamadou Sacco, at least 15 million. People say more. Another one. Um, Thiago Iori, 7 million from Sporting Lisbon. Victor yeah. Moses came on loan. Ricky Lambert, 4.5 million. Adam Delada, 25 million. So, yeah, you're right. Yes, losing these players, absolutely. It's going to harm any team. However, simply Brendan Rodgers allegedly has had the final say. They haven't forced anyone on Brendan Rodgers. He may have not been allowed to play, sign the players he wanted to sign, but no one's been forced. Markovic, at least £20 million. Pounds. You know, if you say to uh, Liverpool or any manager, you're going to lose Steven Gerrard. Club icon, his performances haven't been as good as they have been in, in recent years, but you know, in terms of the, <clears throat> the soul of the club, the professionalism he brings and you know his impact in the dressing room that's a pretty big loss but <laughs> but we're going to give you about 40 to 50 million to spend on on midfielders and you buy a guy from Benfica who's had one one good season if that and and you buy Dejan Lovren at center back and you buy Mario Balotelli Mario Balotelli to replace Luis Suarez and make a a series of strange comments about how you're not going to just make him into a better player but a better man he really did leave himself open to a lot of criticism. Mike, you've got to remember as well, Brendan Rodgers is the man who, who... This quote will go down for years in football, and certainly while Brendan Rodgers is involved at the top level, if you spend £100 million like Spurs have, you've got to be competing for the league. What an ill-advised comment to make, because I, I agree with them. I mean, let's, let's look at this season, Mike. Firmino, £28 million. £28 million. Now... Uh, a Brazilian playmaker, the number for a start, they've already got one. I know he tends to play wide a little bit, but very, very odd, very odd signings here. And, you know, losing storage this summer, storage, sorry, uh, with a lot losing storage through injury last season and for the start of this season, and losing Sterling, they've gone and bought out, not a direct replacement for Sterling, but if you consider a lot of Sterling's um, fee, was the fact he's so young was the fact he's gone yeah. to another English club. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think that uh, Firmino, whilst being able to play in a lot of the same positions as Sterling, you know, could, could be viewed as a direct replacement, but certainly was brought in to provide that spark and creativity that Sterling, uh, Sterling provided. It just hasn't happened, and you've got to blame Brendan Rodgers for that. You've got to say, Brendan, if you're going to splash out 30 million quid on a playmaker, they have to be good. You know, him and Markovic between them, £50 million. You can buy some kind of players for £50 million. I know wages and whether the clubs will move into it or another question. So I think your point there is really relevant about losing those players. And yeah, you're right. What manager would fail to, um, you know, maintain standards with the players that have left? But he spent a few quid trying and failed. He has, he has, and just to expand on your point a bit, I think if, if we, we, we'd be looking at the, at the top end of the pitch and the attacking options and, uh, and I've got some kind of there, but if we look at the back, I think, is, is quite indicative of some of his signings uh, at the back of a real confusion, really, which is, I, I'm not quite sure how Brendan Rodgers plays, really, or 
how much you know that that Liverpool team in the second season was reflective of, of his own style. Because if you look at the signing, so Mignolet in goal, Lovren, um, the likes of Sacco, he, he's kept Skirtle. Um <laughs> This is a man who who seems to want to pass the ball, and certainly from Swansea, pass the ball out from the back. So you know your you two centre backs split when the keeper has it, and you, you keep the ball, you play it out from the back. Yeah, he got rid of. He seemed to fall out with Daniel Agger, the the one centre half that they had who could who could bring the ball out from the back and pass the ball. Um, and they've and he's persisted over the last couple of seasons with Skirdle, who a good centre back. I like him, but if you look at the amount of goals over the last year or so, where Skirdle or, or Lovren as well, Lovren. If you look at the, the West Ham game earlier this season, we just got caught trying to beat the man in his own box when they're trying to play the ball out, and it's not their game. And, and, and Mignolet as well. Uh, if, there's a, if there's a keeper less comfortable on the ball in the Premier League, I'd, I'd like to see him because they, they, they just they just really seem to, to to grind against what what you expect. You know, Brendan Rodgers comes saying it'll pass the ball out from the back. Yet over three years, he's not brought players. He's got rid of players that can do that, and he's kept players and brought in players that didn't seem equipped to do that at all, um, and seems to have persisted with it. And, and whether he's just focused on, on the top end of the pitch and, and trying to score goals, I, I don't know. But I think at the back, more than more than his attacking signings, that's what that's what's baffled me about about his about his acquisitions. And as I say, that that overall strategy from him, and, and whether there actually whether there was one, whether he kidded himself that there was one. Um, but but it, it seems a real juxtaposition that. Yeah, uh, I kind of find it hard to disagree with what you've said then. Throw into the mix uh, t- two two good points I heard a Liverpool fan make on um, Radio Five this morning. Number one, if you remember Rogers, uh, the TV program being Liverpool, which I'm going to play a clip of. Oh, uh, we remember that. Yeah, uh, th- that finished with their two-two home draw against Man City in Rogers' first season, which was a, a you know a really positive. It was his first season. Man City were champions, and it was a re- it was a kind of a big test for them, and they drew two-two. And they threw it away at the end when Martin Skirtle passed the ball out of defence to Sergio Aguero or Carlos Tevez, who knocked it in and, and got an undeserved equaliser for Man City. And yeah. Brendan Rodgers, after the game, was said, be patient, playing this new style of football, we're going to make mistakes from the back, it'll be worth it in the long run. Fast yeah. forward three seasons, West Ham at home, what's happened? And you can't, it's it's almost like cheating on, on, on Rogers' part. You can't make brazen public statements. You can't make promises to people like he has. And and then it just not happen, and then not apologise, not change, crucially. I want to play you a, a clip here. I hope there's no advert comes up. <laughs> I want to play you the clip <laughs> of being in the pool. Let's go. Nice and tight. Let me come. Come on. Everyone together, right? Nice and tight. <laughs> Listen, today is the start of a long, hard journey for us, okay? And I've never, ever once said in all the time here that it's going to be easy. But if it was easy, it wouldn't be worth doing, okay? The thing to remember before we start this campaign is one thing. You can only trust ourselves, no one else. You trust the supporters (laughs) because they're the best. And you trust your family at home. And that group, that is why we're here and why we're doing it. Okay, so let's make sure we go. I mean, that's that's bullshit. Like what what he's what he's just said there. That Liverpool lost that game three <laughs> nil. 
I remember, I remember that, that. I mean, he, he was put in a really difficult position because it, it kind of doesn't get talked about enough. That documentary, it, yeah. it, 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 it just, it was just so much bullshit. I mean, what he, what he said there makes no sense. Trust yourself because you shouldn't trust anyone else apart from your supporters and your family, and that's why we're here. Uh, well, no, it's not. <laughs> you're, there, you're there to play football, but my point is, I know I've just had a bit of a dig at him there. My point is. Uh, coming across as he did in the quotes and I think he said also in being Liverpool he came out with the immortal line I see every player as my own son which is just garbage and you know fair enough he's he's on telly and it was his first job and it goes back to the the point which which you raised about his um, appointment now never before and certainly in my lifetime Liverpool have, have historically appointed from within even if there hasn't been people with necessarily lots of managerial experience like the likes of Roy Evans. Um, or they've appointed winners, <laughs> Roy Hodgson aside. But Brendan Rodgers is the first man, uh, you know, never to have won a cup, won a trophy at managerial level, won anything, or really achieved anything. Bringing Swansea up through the playoffs was good, but he had some very good players playing for Swansea at the time, players who are, now, who are still playing in the Premier League. And uh, what's been proven to be a very good you know, set up overall from the club. Um, and he also, you know, he got Swansea to, to 11th or, or 13th, I forget which, in his first season of the Premier League, which is good. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it was a fine achievement. But again, a lot of that squad and those players have, you know, proven uh, that they were, you know, were in fact Premier League players. It wasn't as if he was keeping a team up that was, you know, divide of, devoid of quality. So he's talking about the journey and all that and, like you said at the very start of the show, because he hasn't really achieved anything, Liverpool, you'd say right now, Liverpool are, I think he took over a team that finished 8th. I think if, if Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool finished 8th this season, from what we've seen so far, no one would be shocked. You'd be, you know, Liverpool fans would be disappointed, but, you know, I'll give you Swansea. I know Swansea have had a bit of a wobble recently, but Swansea, yeah, Southampton certainly, Spurs... They all look as good as or better than Liverpool. I know it would be close games on that day. So we're going to talk in a second about that season where Rodgers finished second. But my overall point about Rodgers, even though I disagree with the timing of the sacking, um, and like you make the valid point that he's lost players that he has, for the money he's had to play with, for the calibre of plays being seemingly allowed to chase, he really hasn't achieved anything with Liverpool besides the season we're going to talk about. And uh, I, re- I really think that... he. I think his biggest failing at Liverpool will be, like you say, it won't be um, not not uh, you know being able to maintain that extremely high level of performance that they achieved for maybe maybe more than just the one season. You know, there was flashes last yeah. season as well, and there was also signs in his first season. I, I watched Brendan Rodgers in his first season come to Castle and win six nil, and it could have been double that. Liverpool were excellent that day, but uh, like you say, he's left them without anything. He's let you know he left Swansea. And people say Swansea play football like Brendan Rodgers. Swansea fans or other football fans might argue and say not true. Swansea have always played like that. It was you know built within the club. Um, you know when when David Moyes left Everton, I know he wasn't sacked, but Everton were David Moyes' side. <laughs> Some people yeah. would say Man United were a David Moyes' side as well when he got sacked from there. I don't know what Liverpool are. I've I've no idea. I've like you say, I've no idea what Brendan Rodgers' style of play is. He first season it was built from the back. It was pass. It was wait. Be patient. If you know that Barcelona style of play, where you know if you move the ball around enough, the opposition will get tired, they will make mistakes, and your quality will show. 
Uh, we had the 12, the 13, 14 season when it became rapid counter-attacking football, blitzing teams, you know, unbelievable pace and skill. You know, played football on the ground, but it certainly wasn't a slow, measured build-up to his play. And then last season, a, a kind of a bit of everything. In this season, who knows? So, why don't we talk about that season, Mike, where where they did come very, very close and played some exhilarating football? Do you think that yeah. that season alone, in your analysis of it, is enough to to have Rogers fondly remembered by Liverpool fans? And has he got enough credit in the bank to get another big job? Um, well, I think he's got enough credit in the bank to, to get a decent job. Um, I think he will have to, to take a bit of a step down. But, um, yeah, it's been puzzling me for a little while this uh, this second season, really, because it's uh, such an anomaly from from the seasons that Sam was did. But reading a really good blog post from uh, from Neil Atkinson on the uh, on the Anfield Wrap um, the other day, in the wake of uh, in the wake of Rogers going. Uh, a really good point, really, about that second season and what it meant to the club. So, forgetting the facts and the stats and the, the net spend and the amount conceded, like the, the, the home and away record, forget that. But it was a really great piece looking at what that meant to the city, that, that euphoria for that whole season. The Liverpool, again, were really on cloud nine. They were playing fantastic, aggressive, attacking football. And like that, that title challenge year under Benitez, when 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 Neil looks at you know it was it was more kind of like us against the rest, a bit of a bit of a bit of struggle. This was full of joy, and it, it really struck a chord with me about when why when, you know when your team's in, in such great form and you go and there's nothing better. You're buzzing for the game all week. You can't wait, and you go. You don't go to argue. Every time you talk about the team, you don't end up in a heated argument with, with your mates or anything. Everyone's there with a smile on their face, and the city is, is buzzing. And I think there, there, there's got to be a certain amount of value attributed to for that second season. Obviously, there were players there, the likes of Sturridge and, uh, and Suarez and Sterling and, and obviously Gerard. But I think Rogers letting them play and giving them the platform to play that style of football is possibly as big a as big a compliment as as a manager stamping his foot down and, and saying, Right, this is my this is how we're gonna play. I think to realise a lot of managers would be insistent on playing their own way. And we've talked about Brendan Rogers flip flopping, but when he had that quality of player there and and could see that they were they were taking the ball by the horns themselves, to let them go I think is is worthy of credit credit in itself. Um, and he obviously set up an environment around that squad that allowed him to do that and, and play in such a exuberant way that, that really got the club going again. I think it's more than just the, the, the nuts and bolts and the, and the points on the, on the board and the stats. Um, giving that real sense of the club, not just the team, but, but the club again, giving it, giving it its hope back and, and giving it a bit of life and its identity. I think, I think there, there, there's a lot of Liverpool fans that will look back at that season very fondly and lest we forget that that's probably the most left field title challenge that, that we've seen um, for, for a hell of a lot really um, and just for the league itself I, I think that was refreshing now I don't think that was enough or should have been enough to, to keep him in the job I think it, it certainly kept him a minute longer and, and rightly so because it was, it was a fantastic season for Liverpool but um, when, when you just look at that season aside from the fact that that was all they had to, to concentrate on a, a lot of things fell into place for them 
I think that he, he gave a lot um, to that club that season. A lot of the fans really, really, really thoroughly enjoyed that season and, and beyond just watching good football, but a spirit to the club um, that Liverpool fans in particular identify so much with, with the city. Um, and, I, and I think it's important not to forget that. And I, and I think a, cert, a certain section of, of Liverpool fans will, will remember that and appreciate um, Rodgers for that. Just some of the stats you didn't want to talk about. Uh, four more goals, 11 times out of 38 games. Uh, scoring nine against Tottenham without reply. Winning three in a little Trafford. A 4-3, a 5-3, 6-3. Um, beating eventual champions 3-2 in a fantastic game. Um, Luis Suarez scored 19 goals in his first 12 games that season as he returned from suspension. Uh, you know, so it was. It was. It was really. It was a really great season. Even as a neutral, everyone wanted um, Liverpool to win the league. I did. It was. It was funny when they didn't. The, the manner of it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you make a good point. He certainly got a lot of extra time than than he would have. I think, especially after last season. And it it brings us on really to a point. I know you want to talk about, which is where sh- what should he have achieved? So he's been sacked. So he obviously hasn't he hasn't achieved his objectives, whatever they were or weren't. Um, and you, you you wanted to talk about that and what Oliver Kay said uh, about the situation. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's uh, well, Oliver Kay is uh, in, in the weight tracking. We were talking quite a bit about about Liverpool having the fifth biggest budget in the league, and, and going on really to look at. There's been several Liverpool, man- Liverpool managers in recent years that, that have managed to bring short to medium term improvement the team without being able to sustain it and I think you can say that for Rodgers as well you look at that season but he hasn't been able to sustain it and, and looking at this whether it is for a club like Liverpool when you've got the new money of Man City and Chelsea and then you've got your Arsenal and Man United in there as well it's difficult for, for any club but it's difficult for Liverpool I know they've spent a lot of money but traditionally net spend I think they're, they're fourth over the last five years after they've dropped, dropped below there's a lot of the teams competing and, and to do that regularly without having that base like United have been in Champions League year after year after year, like Arsenal have as well. Liverpool have started flitting in and out of it over the last few years. And I think it realistically, um, for, for a manager, it, it is some time to, to, to build that, 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 that foundation up again to be able to consistently compete for the title. You can have these flashes in the pan when, when you don't have to... Europe that season um, Liverpool let's say it all fell into place and they didn't have to concentrate on Europe they could really focus on the league and, and it very nearly worked for them the next season they were in the Champions League they, they struggled quite badly um, it, you know ended up ended up playing a reserve team away at Real Madrid um, they didn't seem to have the resources to, to cope with challenges on two fronts now I think it's a it's it's a point that we've discussed before in the podcast about the, the Premier League in a competitive nature um, and, and, and how open it is really for, for all teams but I think what you've got to understand and what the Liverpool owners have got to understand for any manager coming in is it will take consistency is, is very difficult um, to get if you're not in that top four that's been the top four fairly consistently over the past few years um, not only will it take money but it will take one manager with a, with a clear game plan over a few years consistently getting the Champions League to build that and be able to to, to, to regularly challenge for the title and I, I think Rodgers 
is by far and away not the only Liverpool manager in recent years that has, has struggled to go beyond that that short medium term improvement and, and hasn't been able to, to, to register it in the long term and I think it's a, it's a lot more difficult task than it was 10-15 years ago Yeah absolutely and if we talk about budget we can also talk about wage bill and I think the past three seasons of published results have had Liverpool fifth so really yeah. that you know fifth, sixth uh, where is is where you could look at this from a purely financial perspective where there should be I suppose FSG's argument to that uh, would be well if it was all purely on statistics or money spent and wages you don't need a manager <laughs> um, that's his job to get the players improving better than the sum of their parts whether that's realistic or not is a, is a different argument just want to point out two things really quickly um, I'm just you know been looking at this wage bill uh, thing on the Daily Mail website and there's a story about Samir Nasri, um, and he's he's on a French TV show, and he's this is just from the, you know, the sidebar, and he, he says feud with Didier Deschamps will never subside, he'll never play for France. I'm sure they're devastated. Um, he could, he's wearing what can only be described as a Quaker's hat, <laughs> like really big black, like obviously really big span, just. Just very odd. I just thought I'd point I out. I can't wait to see how you link this back to. Uh, it, just, to it links to absolutely nothing. I just, I just seen it. It's like, what, what on earth is he wearing? Is that the fashion now? I know footballers obviously lead the trend. The other one, the other thing I want to mention was the reason I was on looking at that page. Pepe Reina had a, had a had a dig. He's had a go on Twitter today. Right. He said, uh, I, "I'm still a Liverpool fan." This is me paraphrasing. I'm still a Liverpool fan. Uh, can't fight like I can't now. I can't wait for the old Liverpool to get back, like the fans deserve. Basically saying, um, you know, having a dig and saying that uh, Rogers was changing the club for the worse. And whether he's right or wrong, I mean, you could say that getting back to how things were. Well, when Pepe, you know, for the last four years of Pepe Reina's stay at Liverpool, Liverpool weren't particularly good and didn't qualify for the Champions League. So I don't know what he's really talking about. And then the times Liverpool were good. Uh, under Benitez, you know, constant Champions League qualification, etc., and winning trophies and Champions League finals, the club was nearly gone out of business. So I don't really know what he's uh, what he's getting at there. However, at least well, lest we forget that he was a man who was pretty much immediately shunned by outside Rogers, wasn't he? So I think yeah. it's probably a bit bit tainted view, though. Isn't it? That's the thing, Mike. Um, that's what I wanted to talk to you about uh, before we look at his potential successors. There's he seems to not get on with players very few players uh, have come out in support of him very few former players <clears throat> a lot of players seem to have not a lot to say about him after, after the after they're let go by Rogers. I know that yeah. was pretty standard but uh, I mean even like, even you look at Pardew leaving Newcastle members of the Newcastle squad were were full of praise not all of them but some of them were praising praising them Chris Hooten left Newcastle. All anyone wanted to do was talk about how good a manager he was. The players were gutted and all that kind of stuff. None of that for Brendan Rodgers. Do you think that tells its own story? Um, not really. Um, I, I don't expect when when a manager goes, certainly when he's not won anything. Or it's not like Ferguson or say a Mourinho leaving a club and uh, you know they they've won titles together. Um, I. I'm not massively surprised by a, a lack of players coming out and, and 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 saying he's a great manager. I mean, at the end of the day, they didn't really win anything with him, and, and Liverpool are expected to win things. So 
uh, that doesn't really surprise me. And I, I think when you look at if you're thinking about his man management abilities, he, he obviously he had to deal with some tricky situations. The whole we forget the whole Suarez, the Suarez Evra um, situation, fighting Suarez wanted to leave Sterling when he when he was, came into the team. He, he was he, you know he had a bit of bad publicity around him as well, and. I think on both occasions he, he, he got he got the best out of Sterling, then got a massive fit, a fantastic fee for him, and I, I think with Suarez as well. After you know he he, he coached him through that, that difficult stage <coughs> when uh, to, to say the least, um, and then after after saying he wanted to leave in the summer, he got another excellent season out of him. So I think there are there are certain elements that, that are quite clearly he, he, he did a good job from a man management point of view, and that. It doesn't. I, I wouldn't really expect many players to come out for, for a manager that hasn't won anything and say, "Oh, you know, he's fantastic." Because at the end of the day, players do that because a lot of the time they want they want to move. And I think a lot of those Liverpool players will see that Rodgers will, you know, will, will have to take a step down um, at his next job, and, he, and he, they probably won't be managing a team that they necessarily want to, to move to. That might be me being a cynic, but uh, that, that's just my initial impression. Fair enough. We'll agree to disagree on that one. Brendan Rodgers' successor, Mike. Uh, who do you think it will be? Who should it be? And will they be successful? Um, well, they, they, they've been they've opened talks with Klopp, haven't they? They've, they've had positive talks apparently um, today with Klopp, and I think he's obviously the, the popular choice to hipster. And from a purely selfish point of view, I'd love to see how he does in England. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him come over here. Um, he seems like a a, a, genuine, a man with, with generally football in his heart just absolutely loves the game and I think it could be a good a good fit for Liverpool um, not you know not just from on the football pitch but I think we look at Liverpool and you hear a lot about the team being you know it, it's the city it's it, it's more than just you know a team on the pitch there's a huge history there um, uh, around the club and I think Klopp would, would very easily um get a lot of that city behind him and, and really inject that passion and love for the game that, that so clearly is there. And I think it's thrive on that. I think it's it's a perfectly placed club. He's, he's always said after Dortmund that he wants to, you know, he wants to build up a, 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 another club, you know, to, to, to challenge. Um, I think obviously things ended um, a bit, a bit, a bit ropely at Dortmund, but you know, the man, the man's won two Bundesliga titles. He, he, he certainly had success, um, and, I, and I think while there are there are clearly there are clearly elements that, that, that could go wrong with his appointment, and he's untried um, out of Germany. I, I think that, that generally it'd be a fan, fantastic fit, and it looks like they're putting putting their eggs all in that basket and, and have gone straight to, straight in after him today. Yeah, and obviously, like you say, he's uh, he's the strong favourite for the job. It's quite funny. I, I always think of things in simplistic terms. Maybe I'm a simple person, a simple mind. But when they say they've had positive talks with Jurgen Klopp, you know, I, I'm often the opinion: Jurgen, do you fancy managing Liverpool? I how much? This much? I go on then. Not like we've begun talks and they're positive. What is that? A man's from the phone, like getting his email address. Like it, it's quite funny. I often think it's kind of like you said earlier in the show. Anyone would be mad to sack a manager without a plan. Um, come, come in, Sunderland. Um, also, come in, West Brom, 
when you know they went like two and a half months before appointing Pepe Mel, <laughs> which was also oh, yeah, that, that was a well considered decision, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I often think that he's, he's it's a done deal. It was done before the site Rogers, and this is just a bit of uh, play acting for the media. But yeah, there's there's a couple of things I'll play devil's advocate because I I've no idea how Klopp will do in the Premier League. Uh, he's won things before he's managed at the highest level he's had success in the Champions League and domestically so he fits the bill on that level um, he's I know this is a bit of a strange one but he's 48 which that that's good that means you know just say Liverpool hit the jackpot and did get a manager that would see out a contract for the next maybe 5 to 10 years he's yeah. you know and that's what Liverpool ideally should be aiming for unlikely but that's what you aim for Um I'm a bit worried about the the narrative that surrounds him, and the same thing was said about FSG when they got into yeah. Liverpool. They took over the Boston Red Sox, one of the fallen names in US sport who hadn't won the World Series, whatever it was, in 60 years or something mental like that. And within two years, they'd won it and they'd restored them, and that was that was the thing they were going to do the same at Liverpool. I think their finishes at Liverpool have been like seventh, eighth, seventh. Sixth, uh, basically no top fives, but Rogers is second place in, and that's in five years this year, six years. And that's not very good. <laughs> if you take away that season, I know it's it's easy to say that. If you take away an absolutely class season when Liverpool were brilliant, that FSG haven't done very well. Um, you could argue you take away the signing of Luis Suarez and FSG's uh, performance as Liverpool um, owners. Is very very shaky indeed. Um, you know, not not, not not a disaster, but certainly not the restoration of the once great Liverpool. Far from it, in fact. Far from it. But do you not do you not think that will that will take time? If you look back, and it's quite a long way to look back. Um, the Hicks and Gillette era, and that was so poisonous. The the you know they they were starting when they came in FSG from a, a very low base. Um, do you not think that's got something to do with it? And that you know there's a lot of work there to do. Um, that's not necessarily evident. Um, that, that goes on behind the scenes. It was a, it was a, it was a really poisonous atmosphere. I remember when, when Hicks and Gillette, Gillette were, were were in charge, and and finally finally shifted on. Maybe, but they've just sacked the manager, so they obviously they obviously think they should be doing better themselves, and yeah. that's that's and what on one level that's commendable um, to say right we have higher expectations for the club compared to the likes of Hicks and Gillette. Well, so, so a bit. I mean, this, I'm I'm going off topic a bit, but that's what well, that's what was strange about FSG. It was, it was so much was made of this Boston narrative, which I just didn't think was particularly relevant to to, to football to to the Premier League. And it's the same with Jurgen Klopp. I'm, I think Jurgen Klopp has a good enough CV to take over Liverpool. So that that's me saying I'm not criticising any potential decision. However, once again, there has been too much placed on external factors which shouldn't really come into account the fact that Borussia Dortmund had fallen on such hard times and he restored them um if you ask you well I've seen him asked about this Jurgen Klopp doesn't take credit for that he says that it was a very very conscious decision from the very top of the club to change the philosophy and to go big on youth big I mean like massive have the best youth academy in the world that was their plan whether it's true or not I don't know but that was their plan and you, you know, it, it's pretty much you know considered that it is a now a you know a conveyor belt of talent of uh, in Germany of, of footballers in Germany and from around the world. 
but you know that's not to take anything away from him. He, he did really good things. But again, I'm seeing a lot of Liverpool fans, and it might be you know people who necessarily don't represent the views of the majority of Liverpool fans, but certainly a lot of people talking about this. Klopp, he's been there, he's done it before, and it, it, you can't you can't compare Liverpool to Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund, a big club, massive club. I've been to their stadium. I've seen football played there. It's absolutely fantastic. But Liverpool were the dominant, or have been historically the dominant force of English football in the post-war periods. You know, the turning around Borussia Dortmund in a in a league like the Bundesliga, where um, you know money plays much less of a role and uh, attendances and the crowd mean much more than they do in in the Premier League potentially. So I'd be I'd be really concerned if Liverpool are making any decisions based on turning around a fallen giant. That's very strange. And the other bit, which I agree with you from a fan point of view of someone outside the club, people talk about Klopp's personality and his willingness to, you know, talk about the club and talk up the club and talk to the fans and have a laugh and a joke and be affable. I think that's all really good. I wouldn't appoint my manager on it, though. <laughs> I wouldn't even take it into consideration. No, no, no. Yeah, a, a lot of English, a lot of, I mean, I'm reading an article on The Guardian today, Mike, by Honigstein. Raphael Honigstein, who says, uh, makes a lot of really good points, and he kind of, um, what's the word? He, he, he goes through his managerial career from Mainz through to Dortmund, and um, Raphael Honigstein, a, a really good author, by the way, if anyone hasn't read his stuff, uh, I've got on my read list on my Kindle his uh, story about German football and the revolution after 2001 to world champions. He basically says that um, Klopp's uh, demeanour and happy outlook on life is one of the reasons that Liverpool fans and the board are so keen on them to, to galvanise the club and I agree with that to a very small extent but I'm just playing devil's, devil's advocate here I feel like there's been you know, there's not enough analysis of what, what what went wrong at Borussia Dortmund to, to yeah. kind of thinking right here's why he's a good manager for us and you'd like to think that the process of hiring Klopp I know I was making a bit of a joke before saying it's all been done and what actually is positive a start to negotiations you know you'd like to think they they were actually interviewing him for the job and not offering him the job I'm kind of thinking yeah. it's the latter I don't know about you yeah well I think on that on that cold of the personalities I, you know that that's part of the package isn't it that's a that's a that's a bonus on top of him being a being a good footballer um, and I think yeah definitely that as we alluded to that the wheels came off in that last season that but to be honest, before that came a couple of Bundesliga uh, titles. And I think <laughs> if you offer Liverpool fans a couple of Premier League titles, and then, uh, mm-hmm. then a couple of years later, things things going down the swanee. I think I think they'd take that to be perfect at this point in time. So I think I don't think they'd be they'd be taking him on on the stances of his character. And yeah, obviously there'll be a lot of talk and that. A lot of people on social media, a lot of people not necessarily representative of, of the fans that go every week. They will just focus on that and wait for him to say something, and um, wear their wigs with like top glasses and you know the you know the outfit balance. But mm. I think besides that, there's a there's a serious dedicated football manager there with a with a really good track record, um, and I think what he brings in terms of charisma um, and his style is is a bonus on top of that, um, and uh, and a particularly good fit for for Liverpool as a club. But I think. Um, it's not. I don't think it's a, a whimsical hire. Um, just just getting him because he's a, he's a good lad. Um, I think that's a bonus. Um, probably seen on top of a, a real good football brain and a, 
a real obsess- obsession and, and dedication to 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 to, uh, to, to succeeding at, at whatever club he's at. I think that's a nice way of rounding things off. Uh, we're just about out of time, uh, Mike. Uh, it's been really interesting talking to you about this. Um, I suppose we'll 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 leave it there. And thank you very much for listening, everybody. This is the first of, well, technically it's the second, but it's the first one we've released <laughs> of uh, many uh, TF Weekly Pod specials we'll be doing throughout the season on a number of matters uh, in the Premier League and you know across football. So listen in every week, tune in. If there's anything you'd like me and Mike to talk about, feel free to drop us a line on Twitter. We're at TF Weekly Pod. I'm at TFAlex1892. And I think, Mike, you're simply at Michael Green. Yep, that's it. And I've, uh, I've got a feeling that we might get a few requests for a, a, a special pod on Cole Court. It's surely, surely <laughs> overdue. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, please get in touch. Like I said, follow us on SoundCloud. You know, we've we've got the blogs now on the TF site. Michael McMartin, the editor, he's done a really good job for us on the the artwork and he pushes them regularly. Yeah. If you ever want to discuss anything with me or Mike, we'll check the comments section regularly. So feel free to tell us how good or bad the articles are if you disagree with anything. And thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.